life. And if you put all your trust in me, you will not be in darkness anymore. So he's telling a statement of truth, but it's also an invitation to let go and put all of our weight on him, to trust in his guidance. So much easier said than done sometimes. In his autobiography, Johnny Cash tells the story of his older brother Jack. Johnny was 12, his older brother Jack was 14 years old, and uh, he adored Jack, he looked up to Jack. Maybe some of you have siblings or, or teachers or um, family members that you think of that you really look up to. And how devastating it would be, especially for this 12-year-old boy, Johnny Cash. At 14, his brother died in, in an accident. And a few weeks before that happened, uh, Jack, Johnny's brother, said, Look, uh, I feel called to be a preacher. Now, he was, he was known for his character, his Christian character, Jack was. And he was someone that Johnny always looked up to. Well, you know, after this devastating event and in Johnny's grief, I mean, it just kind of lingered with him. And if you know anything about Johnny Cash's story, I mean, he had the ups and downs of life. He had uh, the lifestyle of, of uh, partying uh, all day and all night. Uh, he had the lifestyle um, of, you know, but always having some sort of a conviction for him. And what he said in his autobiography is that Jack had such an influence on him that he would see these different signposts in his life. And in his mind, he would kind of say, you know, the most, important, the most important question in many conundrums and crises of my life have been, which is Jack's way? You know, what, what would WWJD, what would Jack do? And so, you know, it was this character. I mean, I know I have people in my life that are in the faith that I think, man, you know, I wonder how they would handle this situation. And I think God uses them to be a light for us. But Jack or whoever that person is that comes to mind for you is only a reflection, only a small reflection of the light, and that is Jesus Christ. And that is what Jesus is saying to these religious leaders. He's saying to you, he's saying to me. He's saying, I am the way, I am the light. I'm not simply here to tell you where to go and to guide you from a distance, but I have come that you might have light, the light of life. So drop your burdens. You don't have to control everything anymore and follow me. You know, it's like, the, like that, remember the old Billy Graham song at the Crusades, that song, Just As I Am, everyone would... You know, he doesn't say, get your act together and follow me. He just says, follow me, period. And that's why it's good news that Jesus is the light of life with a distinct testimony and unveils the truth. The light of life with a distinct testimony and unveils the truth. Next, we see that Jesus has a distinct testimony. Now, in verses 13 through 18... 
the Pharisees challenged these statements of Jesus saying that he is the light of the world. Whoever follows him will, will have the light of life, will not live in darkness anymore. And they challenge it, and they go to the place that Pharisees know the best, the law. And what the law says is um, if you uh, only have one testimony, then uh, it doesn't count. You have to have two testimonies. For something to be valid. That's in Deuteronomy. And in fact, if you look back a few chapters, Jesus said the same thing. He said, if I alone bear witness about myself, then my testimony is not true. So it's like, Jesus, what in the world's going on here? Well, you know, Jesus responds to uh, these Pharisees by basically saying, look, the glasses that you are looking through, the vision, the vision that you have... The paradigm that you are looking at is the wrong one. You've got the wrong glasses on. You need to change your prescription. Your judgment is from a worldly position. You yourself, you just don't understand where I came from. Now, where did he come from? He came from heaven. He's always existed. Remember back in... In Genesis, we hovered over the waters. Remember Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego when this fourth figure, the son of, you know, a son unto man, the son of man appeared to them. And Jesus is saying, I've always been where I come from. You don't know. You don't get it. You think I'm just like everyone else. And you also don't know where I am going. And that is to the cross that we might have this light of life. And so what he's saying is, my testimony does not need a witness because of who I am. But if you have to have one, my witness is my father. And these Pharisees are just not able to grasp with this truth. And you see all these pictures or, you know, these places in the New Testament where uh, Jesus says, well, they've got eyes, but they can't see. They have ears, but they can't hear. And that's what's going on here is that they're hearing the words, but it's just not clicking. And that takes an act, a work of the Holy Spirit to make that click. And what he's calling them to do, what he's calling me to do is just to trust his testimony. Not just this testimony, but all the other promises as well. That he is the light of life. That he is the light of the world. To trust that, you know, when I can't see that he in fact is still working. Greg Gilbert in his book, What is the Gospel? Tells the story of when he started uh, teaching his young son to swim. He was about one year old when this happened. And it was a chore, he said. He said it, it, it must have taken months for this to happen now his child was one year old so he's teaching him to swim and he started off the way that you might want to start um you know you kind of blow bubbles in the water and you get the you know you hold the child and you get used to the child being in the water but he he said then we went for it so he put his child up on the side of the pool and he stood back and he looked at his son and his son looked at him and he said, okay, buddy, go for it. I'm ready. I'm not going to let you go. I'm going to catch you. And he said, me won't mommy.
Well, I think that is uh, legitimate. He looked at his dad and he just couldn't trust the testimony. You're going to catch me? Have you seen this pool of water? Well, his dad knows the deal. His dad knows that no matter, even if his son jumps to that way or that way, his dad, he knows he can grab him and pull him up. But his one-year-old son could not see that. Well, after he said that, they were off to the races, and he, can, and he just wanted to do it over and over again. So you see, despite all of his uh, trusting in his dad and knowing his dad and loving his dad, it was just hard to trust in that testimony. And the Pharisees are kind of like this, acting a little bit like a one-year-old, as they're saying, you don't know what you're talking about. What in the world do you mean? You've got, to, you've got to follow the law. And I don't know if it's like, if you're like me, but for me, there are definitely those moments where I'm like that Pharisee, where I'm like, man, this, or like that child, you know, this pool looks too big. This is beyond my knowledge. This doesn't make sense. I mean, I don't know where you are this morning. Maybe there's stuff that comes to mind now. I remember 10 years ago when uh, I worked at the VA in Pittsburgh for two years as a chaplain resident, and then I, uh, we felt called to move back closer to home. Uh, I grew up in North Carolina, and so we uh, started submitting resumes to different places, and I remember just over and over, it was just like, nothing is happening. Nothing is happening. And my wife, Mercedes, you know, she kind of took my head back, and she said, you know, uh, you remember what Jesus said after the Lord's Prayer? That he said, if you ask, um, you know, for an egg, he's not going to give you a scorpion. How much more will he give you the Holy Spirit? And that just helped my soul to remember, oh, yeah, I can trust this testimony. That he lives in me, that he is with me, that he's not going to abandon me. And, of course, he did. He had a plan. And that's the thing. He has got a plan. I don't always see it. You might always, not always see it. But he sees the big picture. That Jesus is the light of life with a distinct testimony and unveils the truth. Finally and briefly, he unveils the truth. Now, the Pharisees ask this last question, where is your father? You know, you're telling us you've got a dad, so prove it to us. Where is he? Is he here at the festival? Show us him. And, of course, you know, they, they cannot see. And so uh, Jesus tells them, you know, as they're still thinking about spiritual things, he replies to them that they don't know him. And they uh, are not going to know where his father is because they don't know him. Well, what Jesus is doing is he's unveiling their hearts. He's showing the truth. He is uh, giving an x-ray. You know, if I break my arm, uh, I need to go get an x-ray. I need to see what's underneath. But what if I said, what if I went to the doctor, he took an x-ray, and he said, Stephen, guess good news. We know exactly what happened. You broke your arm. So in order to fix it, we need to go and give you another x-ray. And then another one. And then another one. Well, I'd probably go get a second opinion. 
Because you don't fix a broken arm with an x-ray. All you can do is expose it. And what Jesus is doing is he's exposing it and he's saying, but I am the light of the world. If you come to me, you will not live in darkness. So he's showing them the brokenness and he's pointing them. They get the diagnosis, but he's pointing them to the light. And friends, where the light happened is where he was going that they didn't understand is that he was going to the cross. He's going to the cross where, in fact, there was darkness and there wasn't any light. And he absorbed all the darkness so that you and I could have the light. That's called the great exchange. He took the darkness, we get the light. And he never turns it off. And so I don't know where you are this morning. Maybe it's for the first time or maybe it's for the hundredth time that you need to go to Jesus. But he is calling us this morning to trust in him. Maybe you've heard this uh, uh, hymn from the uh, 19th century. It was written by Henry Bennett called Cling to the Mighty One. I mean, the whole hymn is great. But in the very last verse, he says, Cling to the pierced one, cling to his side, cling to the risen one, in him abide. Cling to the coming one, hope shall arise. Cling to the reigning one, joy lights thine eyes. Friends, in Jesus is where hope is found. It's where the joy is found. Life will not be perfect, I can promise you that. But I also will promise you, not because I promise, but because he promises that he will not abandon you. And there's no bigger proof of that than the cross and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So friends, remember to cling to Jesus because when it gets down to it, you're actually clinging to the one that has way more a hold of you than you have a hold of him. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your grace and mercy and we pray that our hearts might know and receive it that we might love those around us with the same grace and mercy that we have been shown. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.